Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Crazy Science Report. I'm your host, Tanya Farber, the senior science reporter at the Sunday Times. So today I'm going to be chatting to renowned medical historian and anthropologist, Dr. Mandisa Mbali from the University of Cape Town, about the shape of our post-pandemic society. I think it's commonly understood now that we're reaching a point where we understand that COVID-19 is endemic. This virus may become just another endemic virus in our community. HIV has not gone away, but we've come to terms with the virus. It too shall become an endemic. Which means it's not a pandemic that is going to come and go, but it is something that will be with us forever as an airborne disease. It's just that the way we manage it and live with it will differ. But always and forever, I think last year and this year will be thought of as the eye of the COVID-19 storm. Over these past two years, we've lost so many people around the globe. Jobs have been lost, economies have nosedived. Our lifestyles have been changed forever and we don't know if and how they are going to bounce back. So, in a nutshell, we are living through a serious historical milestone. And in this episode, we'll be reflecting on the unforgettable moments we've experienced. When we look back at history and we look at these big milestone events, there's always that one event that we think of as having kick-started the big event. So, for example, if you ask somebody, when did World War I begin? Most people will say, well, it began when Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria was assassinated. And likewise with World War II. Most people who are aware of the events around the war will say, well, of course it happened when Hitler invaded Poland. So with COVID-19, it's a pandemic, but it's no different. You know, we, we will come to think of a specific event that kick-started it. I wanted to hear from Dr. Mbali what she thought would come to be thought of as that initial spark when it registered in our minds that there was a global pandemic which had just begun. Well, I think the events in Wuhan market were obviously uh, sort of key, I think, in most people's recollection of the whole thing. And I think also when it moved across to Italy in particular, in terms of Europeans and then also South Africans, given our close ties with Europe, and then the first few cases in South Africa were obviously linked to people who had um, travelled to Europe, I believe it was Italy. The other types of periodizations, because there's then when they actually cracked the genetic code of um, SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID-19. But something I've been thinking about a lot is the fact, I think a lot of people in the public health world, and also medicine, may have erroneously believed it would be like a second round of SARS. And you'll recall that the SARS crisis chiefly lasted four months and then it was brought under control. So I think some of the earlier complacency around COVID-19 on the part of authorities and perhaps some experts was that kind of miscalculation. But there's also the unfortunate fact that the Chinese government um, lacked transparency in the earlier phases of um, the pandemic and tended to understate the extent of morbidity. That is, like I'm talking about serious sickness here and mortality or death. And I think there's still some the lingering controversy around the origins of the vaccine. 
It was a huge and scary moment when scientists discovered that COVID-19 wasn't just transferred via surfaces of big droplets, but actually that the big problem was that it was an airborne disease. It took a while to figure this out, but in the meantime, countries across the globe went into varying degrees of lockdown. Dr. Mbali spoke about how even our communal and personal histories, and not just global history, will be crystallized into a post and pre-lockdown and post and pre-pandemic sort of calendar. Some of the things that uh, public health experts and the government have recommended as regards COVID preventions, that these things were never sufficiently taken up as regards tuberculosis prevention. So tuberculosis is an airborne infectious disease that is one of South Africa's you know, largest causes of death. And for some time, many infectious disease physicians have said, have better ventilation in taxis, open the windows, etc. So perhaps we would have been in a different position if we as South Africans had been more attuned to the importance of, of vent ventilation some time ago. But I think when, the, you know, when masks um, came to be uh, recommended and later required in South Africa, I think for many people that would definitely be a turning point in terms of their recollection of the whole thing. But I even think lockdown um, and everything that that entailed um, completely upended social, economic, political, cultural life. And many people, that will be, you know, that it will actually be a way that they mark their lives, like before lockdown, after lockdown. To dig deeper on what Dr Mbali was saying, I was interested to know how different generations will perceive of the change. She highlights that COVID-19 is not the first pandemic the world has experienced. Many have muscle memory of HIV AIDS. I think that while AIDS was a defining event that led to a lot of preventable mass death, it was not as, in a sense, I would argue, aggressive in terms of targeting everyone in everyday settings, being almost unavoidable. So today it boils down to Without a mask, you could, and without being vaccinated, the supermarket becomes risky, a soccer game becomes risky, a church service becomes risky. So every single aspect of day-to-day -day life, people have to manage risk, whereas that was not the case with HIV. So I think that's one facet in that we've had other epidemics that we've lived through. But I think, like I said, the mode of transmission, I think, is, is a big thing. But I think with the generations thing, what you can find is that some of the people who I think have had the worst, some of the really saddening social consequences of experiencing them in relation to COVID-19 have actually been teenagers and young people. So, you know, I teach at UCT and here a lot of our students have been very saddened by the fact that some of the rites of passage, you know, orientation week where they join clubs and societies, um, you know, even things like making friends, perhaps having your first um, sexual relationship in person. And obviously, you know, from our full perspective, the most important thing is that we prefer in-contact teaching for obvious reasons. But there's also the hidden curriculum. So, I mean, I think also another example of this would be like with the matrix, that they haven't been able to go to matric dances, 
all these various kinds of rituals have been lost. So I think you're right that different generations have experienced it differently. The pandemic has also drawn fault lines about masks, vaccines, lockdown, you name it. Historically speaking, Dr. Mbali says this is not something new, but she suggests a more constructive way forward for us as human beings. In terms of the history of epidemics, I mean, there were some sharp debates in relation to HIV AIDS, uh, but that was more in public policy circles. So, for example, the debate, should the World Trade Organization change trade rules to enable cheaper copies of anti-HIV drugs? That is also still a debate around uh, making cheaper copies of COVID vaccines. Um, Similarly, I would say that um, debates, again, among governments around how much aid to give to combat HIV and AIDS. But it's difficult to say at the popular level. But like I said, one of the problems that I'm having at the moment is, I mentioned the surveys, right? But what I think we need is actually more interviews with ordinary people. talking to ordinary people in their own community settings over a long period of time, engaging with communities, then I think we can get to the bottom of what is, um, you know, driving not only vaccine hesitancy, but a lack of understanding around other public health measures, including masks. And then our approach as um, sort of scholars in history and anthropology should not be patronising and talking down to people. It should be a process of understanding the stakes of why people take the positions they do, but also having opportunities then to have deep conversations about people's values and what matters to them and trying to help them see that they can save their own lives and lives of family and community members through relatively straightforward measures. Perhaps we will come to think of a milestone moment in history when the pandemic truly changed from being a pandemic to being endemic. But the doc explains that getting out of the woods may not be that simple without us actually taking concrete action. A lot hinges on what is going to happen in terms of viral diversity um, in popular parlance, um, the uh, emergence of, of mutants. And one of my concerns is that unless everyone is vaccinated everywhere, no one is safe anywhere. And that's what the head of the WHO just said, and I think it's spot on. So, you know, we're not going to be out of emergency mode because the spectre of um, lockdowns and preventable COVID deaths, it, it has to be tackled such as that everyone everywhere is vaccinated or as close as possible to that. And what I'm worried about is there's a situation where there is kind of, because of what Ramaphosa and activists have called global vaccine apartheid, you're going to have a situation where, as with HIV, for example, people in affluent countries, HIV became a chronic manageable disease, whereas in South Africa, before we had affordable access to generics, Here, HIV, we were still right in the middle of the crisis. So I think you might see something with, you know, global COVID trends in that you might see that in um, the US, Europe, Japan, etc., it becomes a manageable, seasonal, infectious illness akin to flu versus um, in Africa and Latin America, 
and India, particularly among poor people, it's still um, a crisis situation. So I think, you know, ending COVID, it has to involve a full on flat out global effort. And I really hope that the South African government can help provide leadership and other African governments in pushing this agenda of ending vaccine inequality. So as we go about our lives, history is being made. When it comes to COVID-19, much like the bubonic plague, we have really survived a landmark moment in global history. And I think over the years, we will come to understand the good, the bad, and the ugly side of all of this. I really hope we can look back and manage to say it is something we overcame. But let's not forget that scientists are warning. There could be many more pandemics waiting in the wings, especially if we do not radically change how we interact with our environment and other species. Thank you so much for joining us on the Crazy Science Report, a monthly podcast that tracks the latest and greatest in local and international scientific discoveries and topics. Please subscribe for free future episodes at iona.fm, that's I-O-N-O.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.